The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. Is it possible to live your life without any electricity whatsoever? Yes. This is the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The sky was on fire. Fear was in their eyes. Peter cried out, We're all gonna die. It's my opinion that we all should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for joining me for another edition of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about all things off-grid. Seems like we've had another crazy week on this crazy planet. So many tyrants doing so many horrible things, so many mandates, so many people telling you what to do that's really against your will a lot of medical malpractice. I'm going to take this show sharply to totally off-grid here in a minute, but I do want to tell my listeners, I recommend, personally, do not get vaccinated with this experimental vaccine. It's going to hurt you. And I don't want you to believe me. I want you to do your research. And if you decide that it's worth the risk for you to take this experimental drug, if you want to be a guinea pig, go ahead and do that. But I'm going to ask my listeners, please, do your research and don't listen just to the mainstream media and your doctor and so forth. Listen to the people out there that are being hurt. Listen to the stories of the people who have had family members die from this experimental vaccine. And also, ask yourself, why all the booster shots and why are all the countries that are the most vaccinated, why are they having the most cases of COVID right now? The vaccine doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. The only thing it does is hurt you. That is my opinion, but I can back it up with lots and lots of facts and lots of people that I've talked to and seen that have been hurt by these vaccines. So please, if you're going to get vaccinated, Please do it with both your eyes wide open. There's a peace of mind that you get when you know that you can be totally self-sufficient. And how many people in this world are really, truly, totally self-sufficient? Not very many. And so, if you can master some of the things that I'm going to talk about in this show, you've gone a long ways to being totally self-sufficient and totally off-grid. And if that's what you want, this show is for you. My show today is going to be concerning living off-grid without any power. Now, I realize most people that quote-unquote go off-grid, they have a power source. They're able to generate power through wind, solar, or hydro. I'm going to talk to you about living off-grid 
with no electricity whatsoever. It is possible because your ancestors lived every day of their life without electricity on demand. So what you have to do is rediscover what people used to do. I've come to the conclusion that the best period of time to look at is the late 19th century. I think from 1880 to around the year 1900 is probably the best technology that we came up with pre-electricity that mankind was able to achieve. So there's lots of tools that were invented between 1850 and 1900. That 50 years was kind of a machine age. A lot of machines were developed in that time period. And later on, electric motors and gasoline engines were designed to run these machines, to make them more efficient, make them more powerful. But what about the machine itself, living without electricity? Some might wonder why I'm coming up with this topic at all. Because a lot of you out there that are off-grid, you make your own electricity. And even if you're not off-grid now, you know that it's possible for you in the future to be off-grid. And you do know that people generate their own power. So why would I go down this road of no electricity, no power? It's because of my desire to try to train people to be totally self-sufficient. We may come to a time in the future where even getting batteries might be hard to do. So I think having the knowledge and the ability to go 100% without electricity at all times will come in handy in the future. Not only that, if you're already off-grid and your power goes down, let's say your inverter fries and you don't have the money to buy an inverter for a week or two, then you'll be able to get by. There's a skill set that mankind achieved that kind of went away with the advent of electricity on demand and the internal combustion engine. Now, you know I'm for electricity and I'm for internal combustion engines. I'm for all the good stuff. But there's also good stuff on the other side of that. Pre-electricity. When you look at the world before there was electricity on demand, before there was the internal combustion engine, there was steam, there was animal power, but a lot got done. People lived normal, happy lives before electricity and before the internal combustion engine. So today's show is going to concentrate on the tools of the trade to live a life without any electricity whatsoever. Now, why would anyone want to go totally without electricity? Well, some people may be forced to go totally without electricity without them wanting to be if somebody shuts down the power grid. And if you don't have solar panels, if you don't have any hydro, if you don't have any wind-generating capabilities, well, guess what? You're off-grid without power. And so that's what this show is going to be about, is being off-grid without power of any type. I think times are going to get tough. I think a lot of us that are off-grid are going to be just fine in that regard. What about you people that don't want to be off-grid? You like your power company. That's fine. I'm glad you like your power company. I'm glad that you like the life how you have it. But what's going to happen if you're totally weaned from your lifestyle? Will you be able to survive without electricity? Well, the answer is yes. But it's going to take a change of mind and a change of heart. It's going to take a lot of willpower and determination to make it work. 
but there are ways to put together a life without electricity. And some people out there don't want to spend the money for the solar equipment. They don't want to spend money for wind generating equipment, but yet they want to go off grid. They want to live like their ancestors did. And is that possible? Yes, it is. And so this show is going to touch on a few of the ways that you can start your life without any electricity at all. Now, sometimes my electricity goes down. The reason my electricity goes down is I'm operating a farming operation. Sometimes the sun doesn't shine enough to produce all the electricity that I need during the day to give me a reserve at night. And so me personally, I have two systems. I have a system with electricity and a system without electricity. And if I'm working on a project and my power goes down and I don't want to start my generator, then I can finish the project with my hand tools. Now, I understand a lot of people will not want to do that. It's convenient for me and it works for me. But I have a backup to my power system. I have two inverters and two battery banks. So if my main power goes out, I have auxiliary power that I can use with my other inverter. But what happens if I have two weeks worth of murky and no sun, and I have heavy snows? Then I better be able to be without electricity if my generator won't start, or if it goes down as well. So actually, I have a three-tiered system. I have a generator, I have two battery banks, and I have two inverters. But I also have in reserve the ability to do my farming operation totally without power. Everything gets a lot slower, but the work still gets done. And so I'm going to explore several things today concerning living your life without power. Now, I understand most people would not like to go without any power at all, and I'm one of them. But also you have to understand, again, there might be a situation to where you're without power. And if you're without power and also without the ability to create power, then you're in a situation that you're going to have to either get to where you can create your own power, get to a place that has power, or learn to live without power. And so that's my idea for this show, is to help the people that are off-grid, that don't want to be off-grid, that have no way to create power, as well as those of you out there that want to go totally off-grid, totally without power, So if you're going to go without any power of any sort, where do you start? What's your most important tool? This is just my opinion, but I think building your own forge is the most important thing to start with. There's lots of plans on the internet and also at your library of how to build a forge. You can spend a lot of money and get real fancy with a forge, or you can be very simple and just make a forge out of the earth itself. There are so many ways to make a forge. I'm not going to talk about any one method to make a forge. And so with a few bricks, some earth, a pipe, and a blower, you can make a forge. I would recommend you make the best forge that you can afford. Because this forge is going to be the heart and soul of your total off-grid experience 
if you go without power, because with your forge, you'll be able to make your own tools, and that would be very important. Choosing the location that you build your forge is very important. I would not put my forge in a place with gusty winds. I would not put my forge in a place like on the north side of a building. You have to have your forge area well ventilated, but you don't want it to interfere with your fire in a negative way. I do realize that you force air into the fire on a forge, and that's where you get your superheat. But you don't want to have your area unnecessarily drafty other than that. That said, if, you're, if you plan on doing forge work in the heat of the day, like in the summer, you do want to have an area that cooling breezes can go through your forge area. But don't have an area where the wind just howls through it, because that will be detrimental to what you're trying to do. If you decide to have your forge in an outdoor area, make sure it's at a place that the soil is well drained. Because after a rainstorm, it won't be very pleasant working in your forge area. I would build the forge on a spot that's well drained or slightly elevated. And enclosing the area of your forge is not totally necessary, but I would have it enclosed on three sides with one side open. And on the sides that were enclosed, I'd have windows. That way you can cool it down if it gets too hot in your forge area. And before I forget the safety aspects of this, I would definitely wear eye protection and ear protection while doing forge work, as well as having a good pair of welder's gloves. Heavy leather gloves that can come up clear to your elbow. You can fuel your forge with wood, but coal is recommended, because coal burns much hotter. But if you're totally off-grid, and you're totally away from any source of coal, and you have an abundant supply of wood, a wood forge will work, it just won't get as hot. But your basic forge setup, the tools you're going to have to start with, you should have a good anvil, or a big thick piece of metal you can use as an anvil, and a good hammer. You should have tongs. The tongs are used so you can handle the metal when it's hot. So with a pair of tongs and a hammer and an anvil, you can get started. Again, I would get good books on forge making. You can probably go on the internet and find some good videos and find some good things on the internet. But if you are going totally without electricity, then you're going to need to have old-fashioned books. So I would add to my library some really good books that have plans on making your forge. After your forge is up and running, the next thing I would learn to do is how to drill holes without electricity. All of the skyscrapers in New York City and all the other big cities were made without electricity as they riveted the steel beams together. And the heart and soul of your forge area is going to be your hammers. Now, I said hammers, plural, because you're going to need several types. I'd have several sledgehammers of several weights. I'd have a small sledgehammer, I'd have a medium weight, and I'd have a heavyweight sledgehammer for the big tough jobs. You also need two or three ball-peen hammers of different sizes. I would have round-head and square-head hammers both. Now, for drilling through metal you're going to need some hand-operated drills that are hand-crank drills. 
They make small ones where they have the handle on top where you push down with one hand while you're turning the crank with the other. And they have heavier drills that are shoulder drills that have a cradle to put your shoulder in so you can lean your whole body weight into drilling. Drilling with hand tools is a little bit challenging. Make sure you have high quality drill bits that will go through the heart of steel and make sure that they're sharp. Things that you can drill with an electric drill, just by pushing down and using the speed of the drill, you can accomplish with a drill bit that's not sharp. But you're going to want to keep your drill bits very sharp. And also, the more pressure you put down, sometimes the more it'll catch. So medium pressure sometimes is better, unless you're on something really hard you have to really press down on. But just remember that a sharp drill bit sometimes can bite off a little bit too much and cause you to really bear down and crank real hard. A better plan would be not to put so much pressure that your drill bit tries to grab too much, but grab a small amount and just keep it steady. Also use a nice cutting oil. I use regular motor oil with success, but I do know that there are other oils out there that even work better. I would own three hand crank drills. I would have a small one the size of an old-fashioned egg beater, and that would be what I would use for my smaller projects. I'd have a medium-sized drill that would be a shoulder drill. You can use that successfully on many projects, no matter how heavy. Also, I'd have an old-fashioned drill press, the type that automatically puts more pressure as you turn the crank. It has a mechanism on top that has a little trip that every revelation you make, it'll come over and it'll click one tighter. And so it'll be pressing down on your project without you having to press down on it yourself. In this way, your drill press will automatically press down on the metal you're drilling without you having to put any body pressure on at all. It takes a while to turn the crank. You get a good workout. But I find that I can drill holes almost as fast with my crank-operated drill press than I can with an electric one. It seems like having that mechanism on top that will automatically put pressure on your drill bit as you turn is a very big help. I think that is one of the machines that really reached perfection in the pre-electricity age. So I heavily recommend you search out one of these old-fashioned drill presses. And after you drill the holes in your metal and you have to attach them, the best way to do that totally without electricity is by riveting. Broadcasting from the United States of America. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. You can help to support the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show by supporting our sponsors because we're sponsored on a commission basis. We make no sales, we make no money. So we ask you to please donate or visit our sponsors. This sponsor I'm going to talk to you about is the Eclectic Trading Company, and it's on spring.com. All sorts of great products, T-shirts, bags, cell phone covers, pillows, all sorts of good stuff. 
They have lots of good patriotic designs. The featured design for this month is called The Eagle Has Awakened. And it's an awesome patriotic shirt. So check that out. It's called The Eagle Has Awakened. And you can check this out at www.eclectic. That's E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C. www.eclectic-trading-company.creator-spring.com. Yes, that's a very long, very long URL. So we're going to be putting links on the website to this store. But I'm going to give it to you again www.eclectic-trading-company.creator-spring.com For all sorts of great products, check it out. I'm going to do a side note here. Now, the only way you're going to be able to truly weld something in a modern way is with electricity. So if you have to weld a project, you can still weld without having any way to generate electricity by using storage batteries or car batteries. Just hook them up in series to make 212 volts into a 24 volt, and you put your batteries together by using one battery's positive terminal connected to the other battery's negative terminal. Then you take your remaining positive and negative terminals that are not being used, and you hook a heavy cable to each one of those. And heavy-duty jumper cables will work. And you use what's called positive ground welding. You ground your positive, and you put your welding rod in the negative. And so it's called positive ground welding. The only trouble with this is, is you cannot control the amperage. And so as you start out, the batteries are full. You have very high amperage. And as you use the electricity out of your batteries, the amperage goes down. And so getting a nice even weld is a little bit tough. And you might have to use several different batteries before you get your job done. But it is possible for you to weld. But attaching metal without electricity, you can use bolts, but I would recommend you use rivets because rivets would be the next best thing to having a weld. So to make a rivet, you would match the hole with the right size of metal rod. How much longer you would cut that metal rod depends on how big the hole is. On very small holes that you'd be doing, you only have to leave a quarter inch of rod on each side. But on larger holes, you might leave up to a half inch or even three quarters of an inch on bigger holes. That way, you can have your metal rod sticking out the bottom and the top evenly. You would take your metal rod and you would cut it to length. Then you would heat it in your forge to where it's bright orange. And then you would go ahead and use one of the holes on your anvil to shape the bottom of your rivet. You would have holes in your anvil that would be different lengths. You would put your short heated rod into the hole in your anvil the depth you needed it. The hole would keep the rod in its round shape and you would hit the bottom of the hole leaving the quarter inch or half inch whatever you need on the top of the hole. So you would have to drill pilot holes in a piece of metal that was heavy enough and thick enough to hold your rivet. 
You would then put your heated rod in the correct hole that was the correct size and the correct depth. You would then hammer down with your ball peen your rivet over the top of the hole. After you had that to where you have a nice shoulder, pull it out and reheat it. You turn that upside down, put the stem side up, the side you just worked down, up through the hole, and then you take your anvil and hammer, and then you would peen the other side down, and you'd peen it all together very tight. Most people would prefer to probably bolt it together, but done right, riveting gets it very tight and keeps it very strong. An assortment of regular hand tools that you'd normally use, such as box-end wrenches, open-end wrenches, socket wrenches, you should have a full toolbox of those, as well as having a pipe cutter, a come-along, and other tools that you may need to produce other things while you're off-grid. Hand-operated or foot-operated grinding wheels would be something you'd also need to have, as well as a hacksaw, chisels, punches, awls, and hole punches. The next area that I would outfit would be my wood shop. Everyone's familiar with handsaws, but you need to have several type of handsaws. I would have a miter box with saw. I'd have keyhole saws. I'd have everything from a ripping saw to a coping saw. In the 19th century, they developed some very good foot-operated power saws. They would be a good addition to your wood shop. And in my wood shop, I would have several types of rasps, draw knives, and planers. I would also include various nail pullers and hammers, different types of claw hammers as far as finishing hammers and large hammers, and I'd also have a roofing hammer. And it would also be a great idea to have a hatchet as well. After you get your wood shop complete, as well as your forge area, the first things I would build is I would build some sawhorses. Sawhorses are invaluable in a wood shop. They're like having an extra helping hand. I'd also make several wood clamps as well as C-clamps. Another tool that I would build would be a lathe. You could make all the metal parts with your forge. And of course, you would make it to be foot operated. Thunderbolt West Media. I invite you to send me an email and my email address is livingoffgridshow at protonmail.com. That's livingoffgridshow at protonmail.com. Outfitting a kitchen without electricity is much easier than you think. Over the years, there's been many gadgets invented for kitchen work, for everything from the incredible Mooley, if you remember that one, to all sorts of hand crank things like egg beaters and so forth. So you shouldn't have any trouble at all finding food processing equipment. Something that's done in all the third world countries that works very well is making your own biodigester. And a biodigester, its purpose is to make a very high quality natural gas. And with your biodigester, you can come up with gas for both heating and also cooking. Now, for heating your home with biogas, you're going to have to have a very large biogas plant because that takes a lot of gas to heat your house. And it may not be cost effective. But to make a small biodigester, to make enough gas to cook with, is very, very feasible. And that's what a lot of people do in the third world countries. 
I would ask that you go online or go to a library or acquire a book because it's hard to explain on the radio. But in short, what you need is a container. I would say five gallons minimal. It would be better if it was 20 gallons or 30 gallons. And you simply have a hole that you can put in bio waste, such as cooking waste, apple cores, potato peels, what have you. Also, if you have animal waste, such as barnyard manure, that works great too. You put that in a large hole, and in the upper chamber you have an outlet pipe that the wastewater can drip out of. You're going to have to have a way to get rid of your excess water. And above this pipe you leave an area that the gas is going to accumulate and compress. And on the bottom you'd have a drain, and on the very top you'd have a nozzle that would be your gas outlet. So your gas outlet would be on the top, and you'd have lower down an outlet pipe that would be totally submerged in water. So you'd have your pipe, and then you'd have an elbow that would be facing down, and probably put an extension of two or three inches lower than that. You want to have the water level higher than your outlet pipe. And then as your refuge in there ferments, it creates a gas. It would accumulate in the top. Then you put a line on the top of that on your outlet. You can use any kind of a bladder, such as an inner tube or something like that, to capture your gas. Just remember, this gas is very flammable, and so it's nothing to play with. The ones that I've seen in the third world countries are vented directly into their house, directly to their stove. I don't recommend this. I recommend that if you make your own gas, you capture it in a bladder, and then you transfer that into an LP gas cylinder, and then use it from there. Again, I would get a library of books, and I would definitely have plans on how to build a very safe and successful biodigester. But with that said... Make sure you check with your city planners. Make sure that everything is to code. You do not want to get in trouble with the law building anything to be off-grid. If you live in the middle of nowhere and you're safe and take the proper precautions at all times, having a biodigester is a great idea. The firebox on a traditional wood-burning stove that's used for cooking is very small, but you can get the fires very hot very fast. Whereas one designed for heating your house, like a potbelly stove, the wood chamber is much larger. That way, if you want to have the fire hotter on top, you have to have a much larger fire inside the belly of the stove. But with a wood range, you can have a very small fire because the firebox is small and generate great amounts of heat. And with a wood range, you can also help heat your house. But it's much harder to heat your house with a wood-burning cook stove than it is with a wood-burning regular heating stove. And as far as knives go, I'd have several types of knives, straight and serrated, and I'd also have a very nice heavy meat cleaver. And an interesting knife that the Eskimos came up with is called an uli. What it is, it's a blade that's kind of half round. You can rock it back and forth. You can. They're great pizza cutters, but they're awesome processing food. So I would definitely include an uli in my knife drawer. The most tricky thing of living without electricity of any type is food preservation. So everything you would have to have would have to be canned, smoked, salted, dried, have to be preserved in a way that did not need electricity to keep it good. 
But with that said, if you have access to ice, you could make an ice box in your wood shop. All you have to do is make a box within a box and insulate it. In the inner box, of course, you'd want to make it out of plastic or something that the water wouldn't bother, and the outside could be wood. You could put it as a tabletop model or freestanding. If you live in an area that you can build an ice house and save ice during the winter and keep it through the summer like they used to do, then you could truly have refrigerated food all year round. And as far as building an ice house, I've never done that. But I do know that there are plans out there on the internet and also in books that will tell you how to build an ice house. And if you're going to build an ice house, you might as well consider building a hot house. You may be wondering, what is a hot house? Well, you'd use your hot house in gardening. It would allow you to start your plants earlier in the spring and plant them as seedlings later. You would keep your hothouse warm by using chemical heat. So if you have access to a supply of manure, horse manure is probably the best. You would dig your hole about three feet deep. You'd fill it up with horse manure, and then you would build your enclosure over the top of that. And in the daytime, you let sun go in to additionally heat it and also give your plants the sun they need. And at night, you would cover it. And they would not freeze because the heat generated by the manure would keep that area, keep that area warm at night. But of course, as you would cover it, it would be a good idea to insulate it as well. Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. And replace despair with determination. helps your skin? Well, I've found it. From skincare to mascara, I've got you covered. Are you looking for a foundation that has skincare built into it? Well, our new foundation plus serum is for you. It comes in 26 shades and it feels lighter than air. I have specials running every month. You can find me on Facebook under Melanie Thompson. Or you can email me at melaniekt1957 at protonmail.com or visit my website at www.unique, spelled Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E, 
products.com forward slash makeup connection. I look forward to hearing from you and let's make you look fabulous. Houses that were designed before electricity on demand are usually well ventilated. They have windows in all the right places. Modern houses aren't designed that way. They're not very efficient as far as airflow, as far as windows are concerned. They're built knowing that you're going to have electricity in that house. If you have one of these newer designs of houses that don't have windows in all the right places, it's much harder to go 100% without electricity with a house like that. You're going to have rooms that are going to be hot in the summer. You're not going to be able to ventilate because the house was built for central air conditioning to take care of that problem. So for this reason, it's my opinion that if you're going to go totally off-grid, the best way to go is to acquire an older house. Or, if you're going to build a new house, use some old blueprints. Sometime, I would say before 1950. Most of the old houses that were built before 1950 are able to accommodate off-grid living much better than the newer houses. If you live in an area that you could build a root cellar, that would be a great idea. Make sure that it's deep enough that your items in there won't freeze during the winter and make sure that the top is insulated enough against heat in the summer. What you're wanting is an ideal temperature in the 45 to 50 degree range at all times, never altering. And you can use your cellar not only as a storm shelter, but also to preserve food. If your house happens to have a basement, you can also use that basement like a root cellar. But the only issue is, Keeping that constant temperature is much harder in a basement than it is a root cellar. You have to dig your root cellar down below the frost line, and that will vary depending on location. One thing that you cannot do is dig down to the water table. If you're down into the water, then you're going to have all sorts of mold and mildew problems, and your cement will always be seeping moisture. And so there are areas that you should not put in a root cellar. But if you happen to live in an area that is very accommodating for root cellars, then I think it's an awesome idea to have one. Way back in the good old days, everybody who could did have a root cellar. I do know this worked really well back in the old days. And for people that raise baby chicks, you may be wondering, how can I keep chicks alive without electricity? Well, the old-timers did it with kerosene lamps and with heated bricks. They would simply place a heated brick in with the chicks wrapped up in a towel. And as they needed to replace the bricks for warmth, every hour or so they would put in a new brick or two bricks, and then the chicks would go against that warm brick and keep warm. Other people developed ways to put a kerosene lamp on a low flame they wouldn't allow the chicks to come in contact with the flame, but they would direct the heat from that flame into the enclosure where the chicks were and keep it warm. That method really worked well, too. 
So as you can see, there's many methods and many ways to go off-grid with or without electricity. Those of you who have been on long camping trips or hunting trips know what I mean. When you go out and hit the mountain trails looking for that big elk, you're not too worried about electricity at that point, or creature comforts. You just make do with what you have and do the best you can. And so it's that way, but only on a larger scale. You can live your life day by day, doing your best as you do today, but just do it with a different mindset and a different skill set. Now, I really do hope that nobody has to go off-grid against their will. But leaning the show back towards the political just a little bit, I just can't help but do that because of what I'm seeing. If what is happening in Australia starts to happen in the United States, your guess is as good as mine of how bad this is going to get. But I can guarantee you this. We, the people of the United States, are not going to just sit back and let tyrants and out-of-control police and out-of-control politicians and out-of-control medical mandates. We're not going to let that ruin our lives. We're not going to let it rule our lives. And the more they push, I think it's the American thing to push back. And one thing that I think these tyrants are planning on is for we the people to give up without a fight. I think they purposely addicted us to all things fast. Fast cars, fast internet, fast food, instant everything. And they've addicted us to mass media and having 24-7 communications all around the world. I don't think people could get by with just a once-a-day newspaper anymore. They'd go nuts. But I think the tyrants are counting on that. So I do believe the tyrants are going to use cutting off your power to make you submit all the way to cutting off your food supply so you can't eat, and then you'll submit. This COVID-19 nonsense is all about power, and it's all about making you submit. So for the longest time, I wanted to do something. I just felt so helpless watching my fellow citizens being so maltreated and looking out across the world and seeing the tyranny and the absolute human rights abuses that's happening all over the world right now. And out of my frustration, this show was born. I feel the best way that I can contribute is by trying to relieve the fear that the government and some other tyrants are trying to put in your life. They're trying to make you afraid and live in fear that your power is going to be cut off. They're trying to make you live in fear that you won't be able to buy food. They're talking about the long, dark winter. And it's all a PSYOP. It's all fear tactics. 
The CIA and other agencies like them have used these tactics for years. It just so happens that these tactics are now aimed at us. And the other day when they said that if you go to a school board meeting and protest anything that these schools are doing, these tyrants in the schools are doing, that you're now considered a domestic terror threat. Folks, we're in a lot of trouble. And the trouble can be remedied really fast if we can just stand up and say no. But these tyrants and these evil people are counting on us caving if we have our electricity taken away from us, if we have our internet taken away as well. We can't be afraid of anything. Think of what the soldiers endured at Valley Forge those many years ago. I know a lot of them quit. A lot of them went home. But we're not talking about those. We're talking about the men that stayed. The ones that, against all odds, still had the hope that they could create a great nation free from the King of England. I have that same resolve, and I want to be able to help all of my listeners get through any struggle that's thrown at them. Now, do I really think there's lots of people out there that want to live with no electricity at all? No, I don't. There's a few out there that brave old souls that they want to be pioneers, and God bless them. They're awful good at what they do, let me tell you. But I feel that the people that never want to go off-grid for any reason are the real targets that they're going to try to tell those people Submit or else. And the or else would mean pulling the plug. If I can get the word out, and you can help me share the word, that they don't have to live in fear of that. And if there is no fear of that, I guarantee you the government will not even do that. They won't use it. They will only use fear tactics on subjects that they think that they're going to have great success. And so, if they know that you're not afraid to live off-grid, if they know that you're willing, ready, and able to go forage for your own food, and you don't need any handouts from the government, you don't need them, well, then all of a sudden, that takes away their leverage. And they won't use shutting off the power or shutting off your food supply because they would realize that it wouldn't work. So why do it? So I think the best way as a society that we can guarantee a power supply and guarantee a food supply is by being self-reliant enough that we don't need either. And in that way, the leverage is gone. And I don't think the government or the tyrants, whatever you want to call them, the communists, I don't think that they'll, they'll threaten that if they know it won't work. All you have to do is look back through history, the history of communism. 
And let's be blunt here. We're at war. We're at war with the communists right now. Is it a shooting war? Yes, it is. There have been several people die on the streets of this country and many other countries. You might say, well, they're not massive shootings. No, hopefully there won't be. But I do know that we're living in a very, very strange time period. And it's like the fuse has been lit and it's sputtering along. I don't know how long the fuse is. And I don't know how big the dynamite charge is on that other end. But I guarantee you this, it will explode. So if you'll take the time to educate yourself, not only in the ways of living off-grid, but primarily living your life without fear. God did not create you to live on this planet in fear. That's not in God's plan to have us live in abject fear of tyrants. Thomas Jefferson was one of our greatest patriots. And one of his biggest concerns about the new republic back in 1776 was that tyranny would rear its ugly head and try to take away the government that they established. Well, that's happened. And it's happening right before our very eyes. We, the people of the United States, need to organize against tyranny, organize against tyrants. Even our Declaration of Independence instructs us to do that. I don't know about you, but I know that Joe Biden, who is not president, he's a fraud. He's a liar. I'm not going to follow any mandate that he gives me because he does not have the authority. Now, he might think he has the authority, but I got news for him. He has no authority because he's not legitimate. But overall, how I'm getting through all of this mess is first of all, I want to help you, my listener, not live in fear at least not live in fear of having your electricity shut off and not being in fear of maybe starving to death or freezing. I want all of my listeners to know that I'm here for you 24-7. If you have anything at all, any questions at all, please send me an email. And my email address is livingoffgridshow at protonmail.com. Livingoffgridshow at protonmail.com and know that you're not alone. We the people are a very strong bunch. We're very resilient and we're very patient. That creep Joe Biden said that his patience was running out against people not getting vaccinated. Well, I got news for you, Mr. Joe Biden. Our patience is already wearing very thin and I think it's more worn out than yours. All I can say is, let's go, Brandon. It just seems that we need to hone our skills and reclaim some of our pioneer spirit and our ruggedness and our resilience and be able to stand up and say no to these tyrants 
tell them no. No matter what, tell them no. And I hope none of my listeners gives in out of weakness. Because together we are very strong. And if we help each other out in every way we can, and like I say, my part is trying to inform the public of how to be off-grid, whether they want to be or not. After this is all over, which I guarantee you this too shall pass, this show is going to revert to totally living off-grid, doing reviews on solar cookers and so forth and so on. But I really do feel that right now we're at war. And we're at war with tyrants. That's for sure. So I want to invite all of my listeners to keep tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. Because things are going to get better. We're going to get through this together. If you believe in this show, if you believe in my mission, I want to ask each of my listeners to join the fight. Please help support the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. Your support would be greatly appreciated. You can send your financial support by check, money order, or by cash. I don't take PayPal for obvious reasons of censorship and so forth. You can send your donations and all of your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143 and make the checks payable to Thunderbolt West Media. And again, that address, Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. Your support is greatly appreciated. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show is produced and brought to you by Thunderbolt West Media. And you can hear our podcast on Spreaker and also on Anchor. You search out Thunderbolt West Media, and the name of the show is The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. As well as being on Spreaker and Anchor, we also have an online radio station, and it's Thunderbolt West Media Radio. And how you find that is you go to Zeno, Z-E-N-O, Dot .fm as in Frank Mary so zeno.fm forward slash thunderbolt hyphen west hyphen media hyphen radio and I'd like to add that this show is also heard on Podpoint and Podpage as well as on KYAH radio in Delta Utah so we're getting out there but the big news is that this show is going to start being broadcast on shortwave. I plan on broadcasting on WRMI, and that's one of the stations that Truth to Ponder is on with Bob Bierman, and Bob Bierman is instrumental in helping me get the show going. And I hope everyone tunes in to Truth to Ponder, and that's on WRMI, that's on KYAH, that's on Spreaker, that's on Podpoint, Anchor, pod page, and that's called Truth, the number two, Ponder. And from time to time, I'm a guest host on Truth to Ponder, and I really appreciate Bob Bierman helping me out and helping me get started in broadcasting. 
Now, I've been in entertainment for many, many years, since the 1970s. But since I was deemed unessential by the tyrants, I'm kind of restarting over. A little long in the tooth, maybe, to be starting a new career, but I'm not done yet, and I think I have some things to say. I just want to be a blessing and a help to everyone that listens to me. It's my dream that this show helps build my listeners to be self-sufficient. In this world of instant everything, from instant coffee to instant breakfast, very few people have the patience to understand that life is a process, and going off-grid is a process. It's all a change of headspace and a change of heart. Almost every one of the families in this country that have been here for several generations have roots in rural America, and some of the listeners are descendants of the pioneers and the people that dared to dream and step out on the sea on a strange new world and build a new home there. I think in lots of ways, people who are Christians, people who are patriots, I think we're the new pioneers, and I think we need to be willing to step out on the sea and at least entertain the thought of stepping out of our comfort zone and being able to tell people no, like the tyrants, and to live our lives free. I like to point out that I'm a free man. I'm a free American. I have never once worn one of those masks that do not work. I'm not going to take any vaccine. I'm not going to back down to anybody as far as a mandate because I am a free American and my rights are not given to me by the government. They were given to me by Almighty God and I stand firm with that. And it is my desire for all of my listeners, whether you go off grid or not, please stand firm in your resolve. Don't back down. You have your rights given to you by God, not the tyrants. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in today and letting me have an hour of your time. I hope you've learned something today, and I hope you have a better understanding that you can have a life without electricity or with limited electricity, whether you want to be on grid or not. My next show is going to be all about going off grid on purpose and creating your own power and how to do it and some of the best tools to produce high quality electricity. And until next show, everyone, remember, place fear with faith. Keep safe, keep healthy, and until next time, this is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.